those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Called, Beloved, and Kept, a podcast that seeks to enjoy and glorify God by sharing the truth of His Word to all who will listen. My name is Travis. And my name is Betsy. And we are uh, here for our second episode, our second time recording it. I'll have to tell you, Betsy, I was not happy uh, earlier last week. You know, Travis. I was not in a good mood. I was here for that whole time that you were in a bad mood. Now, I was not like irate. I was just bummed. You were. I was just bummed. I think you actually said, this is a bummer like three times. Yeah. Because we recorded this episode and then there was some unforeseen audio issue on the playback. I went to, to edit it because I, I... A disturbance. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> technical. Yeah, technical disturbance. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a metal band. Technically, you're, you're disturbing me sometimes. So when we tested everything, it sounded fine. And then on the playback, there was something very wrong and it was unsalvable. Unsalvageable. Yeah, almost like that word. Insalvageable. Unable to be salvaged. Insalvageable. Unsalvageable. I think. Hopefully, we'll be able to salvageable this episode. That's that was good. (laughs) And there's some things on the last episode that there's no way they're gonna flow as naturally here, at least in the first Uh, part. That I thought were really funny, and I was like, "Ah, bummer. Yeah. Again. Bummer, man. Bummer number four. Bummer. It's bummer. Uh, but anyways, we are uh, thankful to everyone who listened to the first episode. Yes, thank you. Just thank you. Yeah, thank you to everybody that found it. I knew it took a little while to get on iTunes. There was some difficulty uh, with Apple. We thank thee. We thank the most excellent ones. Most excellent ones. <laughs> That's what, That's what we'll we call s- our fans. <laughs> we'll call them the most excellent ones. Most excellent ones. I mean... When we start a Patreon... You're gonna, that'll be a tear you're gonna want to be a fan because then we'll call you most, most ex- excellent one. yeah <laughs> in fact tier number one lowest yeah. tier will send you a text lowest lo- lowest <laughs> tier is excellent one <laughs> yeah and then more excellent one uh-huh. and then most, most excellent, excellent one, one. <laughs> yeah you're gonna want to sign up for this patreon but we're not gonna give you anything just these are just the titles that you can buy yeah you buy, can the buy, title. buy the titles monthly it's like buying stuff in video games like oh it's not skins and okay things like that on uh, let me tell you for characters it doesn't actually it may not actually change anything about them but it's like oh, oh it just looks different okay oh i okay i see what you're gonna say with that i was gonna say something different about buying things in video games like when the your world of warcraft days when you had a buddy that spent real life money for fake money in a video game fake gold yep like he's gold spent, yeah he spent yeah. 200 dollars on fake gold 200 real life dollars to get fake gold in a video game yep that was the most ridiculous thing i'd ever heard at that time i was young i've heard more ridiculous things since then but that's pretty ridiculous yeah it was i mean he he justified it by saying well it's a hobby and everybody spends money on their hobbies but don't aren't hobbies a little more tangible i don't know <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, I mean, case closed. Yeah, case closed. Okay. You tried to see your argument. <laughs> I didn't arg- make. I'm not making the argument. I, I know, but your answer was just so like <laughs> profound. It's, I don't know. I, don't know. I just <laughs> couldn't follow up with it. I mean, how tangible is this? 
<laughs> well, Whoa. <laughs> I mean, you listen to it. Yeah, I mean, I guess. But then, I mean, but there are other things that are maybe not physically tangible, but that benefit you. Was well, he really benefited? I don't know. He would probably. I, I'm just. If I'm gonna play devil's advocate, video. Dare he, you. Yeah, how dare I? Christian podcast. <laughs> I would. He would probably say something. Yes. <laughs> um, he would probably say something like it was helpful to his. Like it was something he enjoyed and helped him relax and you know helped what? his mental Can health. I don't up? know. Call him up. This is what 15 years later. Call him up and yeah. ask him. Remember that one time you spent $200 on fit? And I want to hear what he would say if he'd be like, that was, it was worth it. I'm really glad I did yeah. that. I mean, there's stuff. He's got I, a family now. So. There's stuff I've spent money on that is tangible. And I was like, that was a really dumb purchase. Uh, so, my dear Betsy. Oh. That's you. Um, my darling Travis. That's right. Maybe those can also be too. That's what we'll, you know what? Our dears and darlings. You can be a Patreon. And we'll say most excellent ones from Deers and Darlings Deers is and lowest lowest tier. Maybe or our oh we're Deer and Darling. Yeah. I thought we could call Deers, our, Betsy uh, and Darling Travis. I thought we could call our, our uh listeners. I don't like saying fans. It it makes them sound desperate. Our listeners. Yeah. Deers and Darlings. Deers and Darlings. Or we should just really lean into and be like, You our fans, they just love us so much. Yeah. Two episodes in. Big fan <laughs> Big biggest fans. fans. Biggest fans. Fans, yeah. Hey, I, there was one thing I wanted you to share about because I thought it was interesting. You are reading our children for kind of literature time. You're doing oh, read alouds. Wi- yeah, yeah. Wizard of Oz, the mm-hmm. abridged edition. But even you said even the abridged adri- abridged edition is so much different yes. than the movie. Yeah. And you told me some things that I thought were were really interesting in the book. Yeah. That were. A lot weirder than the movie. Yeah. Well, this isn't so weird, but I think this is such a huge difference because you think of um, Dorothy and her ruby slippers, right? In the book, they're silver. They're not ruby. Yeah. And we we came to the conclusion that they made them red because of it being a color movie, like in color. And that was like a big deal. In living color. Right. Cult of personality. Uh, I'm just doing word association now. Uh, that is not my favorite thing that you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so that so was they interesting. Were silver, but um, but if, another if thing you wanted to do a like, I don't know if it was the first motion picture, color motion picture movie, or the first major. I think it one. was something like something like first that. first major one, maybe. Yeah, and, and also you wanted star- to really really pop. Right, silver is gonna like. Well, we've right. I don't know ruby yeah. red like. Um, another just, thing. Ooh. A stink bug just landed Ooh. on me. Yeah, it did. Continue. Sometimes that'll happen. Get some stink bug action. Oh, wasn't there something weird about the Wicked Witch of the West? Um, Oh, she's a, she's a cyclops. She has one eye. And she's like a legit, not like she lost an eye. She's but a she cyclops. has an eye in the middle of her forehead. She has one eyeball. One eye. Ball. That was weird. And um, the Oz, the, the wizard of Oz... Oh, you the know, wizard of the Oz. The wizard of Oz. The yeah. wizard. Um, he came in like different forms for each character. So in like the movie, they all go into the big and he's hall. He's just a floating head. He's just a floating head. But in the book, he is a like a head, but he's not floating. He's actually sitting on a throne, <laughs> this giant head. And didn't you say um, they go Dorothy. in separately? Yeah, like Dorothy goes in first and next is Scarecrow. And it's like a a woman with like giant angel wings. And then when the next one goes in. Spoiler alerts. 
yeah. for a hundred year old book. It's yeah. probably older than that. Yeah. It was a joke. I don't know. Okay. And I don't know. The Tin Man was something different. The Tin Man? Oh, the Tin Man. Actually, the Tin, tin Woodman is the, what it was called. The Woodman. Tin Woodman was. You t- but you said Tin Man. That's weird. Oh, Tin Tin Woodman. I know, but what's like when you're saying the Tin Man, you said the Tin Man. Tin Man. <laughs> That's when there's like more of them. The Tan Man and the Tin Man. Anyways, the metal dude. He. um. <laughs> Pretty heavy. Um, it was like a giant beast, scary beast. And then Lion went in. And it was like a giant fireball that would like pulse when it fire. talked. Yeah, it pulsed when it talked and got angry or whatever. So that was interesting. But yeah, there's just some things that I thought were really weird. It made, makes you want to read the full version because there's got to be some other weird stuff in there. Well, transition time. Nice smooth mm. transition. Uh, so the subject for today is divine adoption uh we wanted to cover that uh kind of what actually brought this to mind to regale you with an anecdote uh it's so fancy i know <laughs> we're now regaling yes i i've always been pretty fancy i don't know if you know that I'm, they don't know that they don't our know newest, that biggest fans they don't know that our dears and darlings our most excellent ones uh, so anyways, <laughs> sounds so creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Dears and darlings and most excellent ones. <laughs> welcome. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> so anyways, Betsy and I were watching a show. Well, we started watching this show that we thought our one of our boys would like because he loves climbing on everything. He loves jumping off stuff as boys typically do. And they have like an American Ninja Warrior Junior. So it's kids, you know. And so we're starting to watch it and they do that thing where they give a backstory on the um, contestants, I guess, or is that what you'd yeah, say? Yeah. And Betsy and I were kind of making fun of it because we were just like, why do they always do this? We just want to, you know, you just want to see them compete. Like, why do you, you know, I know why they do it. So you can feel like you have somebody to root for or something yeah. like that. But we just thought, you know, they're always kind of hokey and whatnot. Then the, I think it might've been the very first con- contestant. It was. Yeah, this this kid uh, was adopted from Africa. Yeah. And he was just telling the story about being adopted and um, just about like he was glad, but then also he was sad because his best friend, he grew up in an orphanage and his best friend at the orphanage, um, like he had to leave him mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, he was adopted. And so he would be really sad, you know, in his new home and his you know, parents asked him what wrong, what's wrong and whatnot. And he just said he really missed his best friend. And I got the feeling that these people were Christians. I'm not sure why. Yeah, I don't know either. But there just was something about something, it. Yeah. Just like the words that they how they spoke. You yeah. Know what I mean, the yeah. phrases that they would use. Made and and probably right. they said probably Christian things in their interview that got edited out. Oh, yeah. You could kind um, of see that. But anyways, so so here is what so so amazing is that the family was like, we just thought the, um, we were just thought the, the best thing to do going forward, uh, was to adopt this other little boy. And so they went back to Africa mm-hmm. and adopted that boy's best friend yeah. from the orphanage mm-hmm. and just how excited that little boy was. Mm-hmm. And he just said this great thing where he was like, now my best, fr- my best friend's now my brother, mm-hmm. like I don't know. It was just they showed the clip of them being reunited, like in an airport, like where the mom and dad brought the friend back, and it was just like 
the sweet because it'd been you know this stuff doesn't take isn't like super fast they didn't like adopt it and turn around and go back like this was i think a few years right yeah it was a, at least it was a, a while at least a yeah. couple years where it's they could go back that, so it's kind of yeah i'm trying to think but i i know it wasn't like super fast right because adoption just isn't fast right yeah an international adoption i can't even imagine but it was just like the sweetest thing of just seeing these two little boys like ugh. yeah and and of and of course it was very funny because we we made fun of that kind of like we initially made fun of the storytelling part of yeah. it. And then this first story like hooked us in and we were yeah. like, Betsy and I were both kind of choked up a little bit and all like, this stuff. It's like, all jerks. right, I guess we understand why they we're do the this. Biggest jerks. And of course you could see why you want to kick off with that yeah. story. That was just a, that was by jerker. far the best one. Too. Yeah. Yeah. None of them. The other ones, the other ones were like, my parents are really rich and they built me a replica <laughs> in my backyard. And so <laughs> Seriously. I, you know, and it was like, okay, well, Maybe it's also so I know who not to root for. Yeah. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah, that is. Anyways, that kind of stirred up just how how beautiful that picture was of these these um, parents just having a heart for uh, just adopting this child out of an orphanage and then also adopting an, another child. And uh, we have a lot of friends who foster and who adopt and people in our family have adopted and whatnot and, and, and how beautiful that is. And we're talking about how... God adopts us spiritually, divinely, I mean, really does adopt us, um, those who are in Christ, uh, when I say us. Um, and we probably hear, you know, you probably heard people say before, well, we're all God's children. We're all mm-hmm. God's children. Yeah. And usually in that context, they're talking about everybody, like right. all humans. Yeah. Uh, and we w- want to examine if that is biblical and what the scriptures say about being a child of God, who the scriptures say are God's children and just dig into that and see really just the beauty of, of divine adoption. Mm. First, we, we wanted to just point out the obvious foundationally. We have to start with God is creator, right? We see this from Genesis one. God is, is the creator. Everything that exists is God's creation. All of the living things, God's creatures, right? Animals, um, humans, things like that. Therefore, we have an uh, important distinction, which is called the creator-creature distinction. And on God is on one side of that line, and all of creation is on the other. All of creatures are on the other side. And on the sixth day of creation, uh, I said that weird. <laughs> the sixth day of creation. <laughs> <On> the... <laughs> is that like a soundbite you entered in? Yeah, I was like piecing it together, <laughs> yeah. chopping up a bunch of different... <laughs> On the sixth day of creation, God created man. Therefore, at the baseline here, just to just to kind of establish a baseline here, so God is creator, humans are God's creatures. So just to have an initial understanding of who, what humanity is, man is, he is and she is a creature. Now, with that, humans are unique in the creation order in that they are um, created with the image of God in them. And we, we see this in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the air and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. That's Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Um, so there's plenty of implications of what the image of God means. Um, there's also some mystery to it as well. There's some 
different theories. And so we're not really going to delve into that doctrine as much, but we're just using that to, to funnel down into what it, what it means to be a child of God. But one of the things that I think everybody who holds to this doctrine of the image of God in man is that it does give humanity, each human, an inherent dignity, um, an inherent worth. And because of God's image in us, we're made to reflect God um, and we're made to know God and we're made to worship God. Not because of us. Again, it's because of his action. He, he made us in his image and he made himself known to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyways, what are your thoughts on that before I move on to Acts 17? Any, any additional thoughts? And then another thing that um, I thought was interesting was the social, like socially, like we're created to not be alone. Like Adam, um, Eve was created for Adam. And so, and that's also like God is, um, you know, there's like the triune God. So like there's always a community within God of, you know, the Holy Spirit and Jesus, the Son and God. So it's, it's interesting and like, so the likeness of God, and I know this is kind of going off topic a little bit, but the likeness of God isn't that... Um, in sense of like we're powerful and omniscient and whatever and you know all those things holy um, obviously we strive for holiness anyways but it is um, it is interesting that uh, how we reflect God in our sinful humanity does that make sense yeah yeah it's kind the, of rambly sorry no yeah there's there are incommunicable attributes of God and there are ones that are communicable like yeah we can also be gracious. Right. We can also now to, to the degree that which God does that, like yeah. obviously not, but we can reflect that yeah. when we're gracious to others, when we're merciful to others. Right. Yeah. So maybe, maybe an episode on the image of God would be a fun one to do in the future too. And just really dig into that one. So Acts 27 um, kind of presents something that maybe, did I say Acts 27? I mean, Acts 17. Oh, you did it, 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 uh, it presents something that one could see as a general creational sense of human beings being offspring of God. So I give some give some thoughts on this, and then you know we'd love to hear if anybody else has some additional thoughts on this. If you want to contact us through Instagram or our Gmail, is just called Beloved and Kept at Gmail. So Paul's in Athens, and he's speaking. And I I am reading from the ESV. You said Acts 17. Acts 17. I have 24 through 29 written, but I'm going to start a little later than that. I'll start at 26. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all uh, all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods in the boundaries of their do- dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for... In him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. So in, in this portion, he is Paul is specifically talking about you know idolatry, and he is referring to some pagan poets to communicate an idea um, or, or to to write to write their wrong perspective of who God is because um, quoting poets that say like for we are indeed his offspring which probably would have been referring more to Jupiter 
Zeus. I think Zeus is Jupiter. I think that's the same. But and then, but then he says in twenty nine, being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that a, that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone. And so he's not speaking to believers there, but he says being then God's offspring. So he's using their language to help them, or their phraseology, I guess, to help them understand better. Yeah, I think that's one way you could understand it as to be, well, is he just using something that they would understand in order to describe what God is actually like? Or is he making, or is he kind of, you guys were right about this, being then Mm. that were God's offspring. So that was one that I, I thought, I thought, and I read some commentaries and there were some different opinions on that as well, is that maybe one could draw from this passage that that there seems to be a general sense uh, in like a creational sense that human beings are God's offspring and that God creates everything. So mm. kind of coming forth from God, not in like a new agey mm-hmm. sense, but um, coming forth from God's creative create creational power right. and also bearing his image mm-hmm. as a, a, an offspring often does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even if that's the case, or or it could or it could be as you were saying, yeah, that he's just in order to help them understand using similar language mm-hmm. that their poets used in order to draw to really get to the 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 heart of what he was talking about with with right. their idolatry and their pagan altars and so things this, like that. So the the second idea that you said, I just heard something this evening that I thought was kind of interesting, where Adam is referred to as. Um, the son of God Mm -hmm. Um, and like using the genealogy in Luke um, when it's talking about the genealogy of Jesus. Um, So may, and that kind of makes sense. Like if Adam is the offspring of God, or the son of God and Adam and Eve are our first parents. So I could see where it's like that saying we're the offspring because of that creational sense. Right. Makes sense. So, yeah. So what, what is it not saying? I mean, what is it? It's not saying. Oh, yeah, so so I would say that this even this passage though seems to be categorically different from what it means to be a child of God, yeah. like to be in in God's family hmm. in a familial sense. All of humanity has been, I guess you'd say, bastardized by the effect of, of sin. Yeah, where the default position of a human, although bearing the image of God. And in a, maybe maybe even in a general creational sense, being the offspring of God, is not the default. Is not in God's family. Right. You are not a child of God. You're yeah. not an heir. Right. Uh, I think so, that's the difference. I think that's important to make that distinction. Is because well, I mean, we'll talk about this. Being an heir is so much different than just like being a part of a family. I don't know if that's like there's more importance of like saying someone is an heir of something. Does that make sense? I don't know if that makes sense. Like, yeah, I don't know. You're not just like a regular family member. You're like a very important family. (laughs) (laughs) So now we want to look at what it means to be adopted by God and just, um, I, I think we both probably wrote down a definition. I just had, it's an act by which God makes us a member of his family as his children. Do you have, okay. Um, uh, what this definition I found, I can't remember who it's from, but I really liked it. Um, we become children of God through the provision of grace from God in salvation. Nice. Yeah. So I think saying yeah. very along the same lines. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to just, we wanted to march through 
some biblical texts right now that talk about that. This episode will probably be two parts. And so this one will just kind of walk through some big texts. This is not exhaustive because uh, there, you know, there are other texts we could reference as well, but these are big ones. And then we'll talk about probably next time adoption within the salvation order, within salvation as a whole. We'll, we'll talk a bit about the privileges of adoption as we read through these and kind of draw out what the, the text is saying, but we really will zero in a little more, I guess, systematically, I guess, the privileges of adoption. So Betsy, could you read John 1, 12 and 13? So we'll be in John 1, 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but God. Yeah, so right there, uh, we see that those who have been regenerated and converted, I mean, it it doesn't say those words, I'm I'm, uh, applying those salvation terms to it, but those who believe, right, those who have repented and have faith in Christ, receive from Christ the right to become children of God. It's through Christ that we become children of God. He gives that right. It's not something we earn. It's not something we already have. As the language says here, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. Uh, and so I, th- I think, you know, we can draw that faith and repentance, right? They're, mm-hmm. They've been saved. So those who have been converted to Christ... Um, Christ gives them the right to become children of God. Agreed. <laughs> so then I guess the question is, who are we before we receive our adoption then? What's our status, I guess? Categorically, where are we? We kind of talked about that briefly, just image and whatnot. But where are we? State-wise, where are we? Because we talked about we've ba- because of sin, we've been bastardized from the family. Mm. And if people are listening to this with their kids, they might think I'm cussing. Uh, don't be cussing i ain't cussing it ain't cussing it's not a cuss it ain't no cuss okay so again i'm reading from the esv this is ephesians 2 1 through 3 and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind so we so what's our state before adoption we're dead in trespasses and sins the imagery here is that those outside of Christ are the sons of disobedience right mm-hmm. and that by by nature we're children of wrath mm-hmm. so you're not a child of god you're a child of wrath you're a son of disobedience mm-hmm. you're dead spiritually <laughs> I think it's interesting to say, like, the rest of mankind, like, there's no one, um, like, set apart. There's no one that's not involved in this. Yeah. <laughs> like, it is, like, the it is every, it is all mankind that is when you're not in Christ. Yeah, he wasn't, like, in, in such were some of you because you were extra, extra bad, and that's why you were under all right, this stuff. Right, yeah. And then other people have more of a neutral position. It's like, nope, and the rest of mankind. Yeah. You and everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, Jesus kind of reveals the true status of again of those who actually reject Christ when we see, well, specifically he's talking to the Pharisees here, but I, I think we can um, gather that those who also reject Christ are under this kind of condemnation, I guess, from Jesus. This is in John 8 in verse 
39. Would you mind reading that, Betsy? 39 through 44. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I have heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot hear, bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies." But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I am I reading too far? Yeah, but I, I mean, it's not bad that you're oh, still okay. reading. But yeah, but Sorry. so no, you're fine. Uh, so Jesus calls him out. He, they, you know, they're like, "Our Father's God. We have one Father." Of course, they say, you know, um, Abraham, and then they're, you know, up up at the ante and say, "Well, our, our Father's God," mm. and he's like, "Listen, you would you would have accepted accepted me." Um, you would love me, you know, mm-hmm. if you would believe me, if God were your father, if God were your father, you would love me for I came from God and I am here. But he says, you're actually of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. So, <laughs> so again, we get a status, uh, of rejection of Christ or who we are in bondage to sin, dead in sin, children of wrath, sons of disobedience. That's our state before Christ, mm-hmm. before being adopted by God, before being saved through faith and repentance in Jesus Christ. Yeah, so so it is it is in John 1 that we see that those who believe in Christ, those who receive Christ, receive from Christ the right to become children of God. And we kind of look through, well, and what, what was our state before that? Mm-hmm. And... Not, Not good. good. Oh, oh my goodness. That was good. Wow, jinx. Uh, so the next passage I wanted to go to is Romans 8. It's a good one. I mean, it's fine. It's a good one. Just kidding. This is Romans 8, 14 through 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness within, with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So this section expands upon the assurance a Christian has in Christ. You can kind of look at this as three chunks in this section. Verses 1 through 13 in this chapter give the Christian assurance of the life they have in Christ, uh, verses 14 through 17, which we just read, are uh, the assurance of adoption that the Christian has in Christ. And then 18 through 30 is uh, the assurance of the glory, uh, the glory that the Christian will have in Christ. I mean, I think this is just a really great verse. Um, I think one of the things that that popped out to me was just talking about how we have now received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. I think that's such a powerful image that kind of is just really easy for us not to like think about of like God 
being our father. I don't know. That's just a really personal thing. You know, I know a lot of people say Abba means daddy and that's cringy, but (laughs) it's a little cringy, (laughs) but it's a little, it's a little like taking, it's a little anachronistic, I I think, and taking like language we use and putting it back there, but but it's still intimate. It's still intimate. And well, that's the thing I, I guess I was trying to say was this is such an intimate, important thing of like, here we have God and now he is our father. And then when people say daddy, then that just like makes it like all weird again and it doesn't make it personal anymore because it's just too weird at least that's how i feel maybe some (laughs) people really like that and helps them feel i don't know but it i think a lot of people have a hard time if they don't have good earthly fathers um this may be something that like might trip them up and be like well my father is terrible or was terrible to me so any sort of thought of father doesn't have a like a loving protective like it doesn't have like a, a positive appeal a positive appeal to it. exactly like yeah they don't get that feeling they're like well why would i want why would i want that in god because my father was terrible it's like well i mean fatherhood here on earth is a reflection of god i think that's god made fathers and wants them to be providers and protectors just like god does that for us yeah he has a design um, in mind exactly like it's not just like it just ha- we it's not like a culture decided to make fathers like that it's by design like god made them that way but also earthly fathers are not like our heavenly father at all because god the father is perfect in that he will provide you provide for you perfectly um he loves you perfectly and will protect you perfectly how he sees fit, you know? I think that maybe something, I don't know, maybe some people struggle with that if they're, you know, don't know the Lord or whatever, is just like that distinction of not just like, well, earthly fathers are terrible, so why would I want a father at all? You know what I, I know? I don't know if that makes any, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that makes sense. I yeah. I think just because there are bad dads, <laughs> yeah. that you're dismissing god as a good father because of your experience with a human father and even jesus points this out when he gave the analogy of you know which one of which one of you would if your child asked for eggs you give him a scorpion Mm. which is a funny image to dad can i have some scrambled eggs yeah it's scorpions you know Uh, but he's like (laughs) which one of you you know which one of you would do that you know and he's like even you who are evil Mm -hmm. Uh, give good gifts yeah how much better uh, is that there's the provision and uh, i'm paraphrasing of course right. right now but how much is, how much better is god as a father than even even the good fathers yeah on earth you know it's not even it, I, I understand where it would be a struggle if you had a bad father to think of god as your father as something really really good yeah so that's why you ground your under uh, of course pray about it Ask the Holy Spirit to change yeah. your heart towards that or whatnot. Um, I think he will. But also ground yourself in the scriptures as to what a good father is, what mm-hmm. a good father does, and then realize that God does that to a perfect degree. Yeah. Let that guide you more than maybe um, the feelings you've and experiences and not, not denying those experiences because right. you could have had a terrible, terrible right. father, yeah. terrible stepfather, whatever. But 
let the spirit and the word of God and your prayer life and even hopefully even the examples of other godly men you see once you get into a body of believers or things like that. Yeah. To reshape that role to you and then to see how good God is at fulfilling that role. Yeah. He's perfect at it. Right. I think you say this often, like instead of thinking from God down, you think about it from man up. Is that how you usually say it? I, I yeah, I say that, you, that the mistake the mistake people make right. is that they reason from man. And this isn't original me, but they reason from man up to God, right? Rather than and that from in God this, down to in man. this case, that's exactly like if you were just thinking. There's no way God can be a good father because I don't know. Like, there's no good fathers. That's a, that's exactly what you would be doing is from man up. Right. Um, You're making God in the image of man. Right. <laughs> and, I, and I know, like, and this is another aside, but, uh, like, culturally, American culture, at least, doesn't like fathers and doesn't think that they're important. At this point. At this point, you know. And But, of course, like, within the church, and we know from Scripture, like, fathers are a big deal and are important. So maybe culturally that could also affect the way people think about fathers. But again, Absolutely. that's a, like the man up thing instead of, you know, um, going to scripture and seeing what scripture says about God being our father. Right. Which is good and perfect. Right. And, and, and using that as your baseline. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to be an heir, you want to be adopted. <laughs> You're going to be adopted by the most perfect father there is. You're going to be an heir from the most perfect father. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of awesome. Yeah. And, and that's the, you know, the initial gifts we get are Christ. There's God is God. Yeah. Is, you know, Christ and, and we get the father, we get the spirit, all of God. That's the greatest gift we get. Then there's also other benefits as well. Right. Which but, we'll talk about later. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but the, the best gift is, is getting God, you know, father, son and spirit. Then in 17 of Romans 8, that's where we were at. 17, you kind of get this connecting verse between the enjoyment we have as believers who are now adopted or who are who are like adopted children, but then also kind of the full benefits that await in the future. And uh, that's the glory, the future glory, things like that is like 18 through 30. And one of the verses specifically verse 23 it says and not only the creation but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we await eagerly for adoption as sons the redemption of our bodies and so in this verse you there's a sense in which we're still kind of waiting for a our full adoption in glory uh, this kind of the redemption of our bodies right there's this already but not yet tension we see with adoption as well uh, not a bad tension but there's even more to come mm. one commentary on this passage as well this was charles hodge on this passage he presented three ideas as to what being a son of god means so the three ideas here is uh, similarity of disposition character or nature like to god mm-hmm. objects of special affection and then those who have a title to some special name or privilege yeah, so the title, the objects of special affection, like God actually loves us, and then, yeah, similarity of disposition, character, or nature. I thought it was interesting, those three ideas as to what being a son of God means. Yeah. So, uh, and then the last passage, did you have anything else you want to add there, or is going to go to Galatians 3? So the last passage we have here is Galatians three twenty six um, through 4, 7. 
Is that, is that right? Did yeah, I say I that weird? It was a really long... Galatians 3, 26 through 4, 7. Just saying all those numbers like that feels weird. Uh, can you go ahead and read 25? 24, actually? 24, okay. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is an owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying abba father so you are no longer a slave but a son and if a son then an heir through god amen so again just great great passages tonight again we're we're not saying that we're giving like a full exegesis of all of these passages we're really just zeroing in on what yeah. it's saying about adoption because all of them are just so so rich i mean just right. so much gold to just be a mind out there and and you know what's really interesting is um I really, this seems kind of technical being under these guardians and managers until the day, you know, like I think there's something kind of like how being a earthly heir, you know, I don't know if that makes sense, like how that works when you're an heir and then applying it to what it, when we're adopted, there's legality in this, you know, like in this language, which is, makes it seem very real and and solidified yeah yeah <laughs> it's a like legal process right yes and i know some people may not like that because they just want the touchy-feely stuff mm-hmm. um and then the opposite end is mm-hmm. no feelings at all this is yeah. a strict this is what you know they're they're almost robotic about it and we and, can rejoice and find joy in this legal matter yeah right yeah <laughs> like it's good well you know it's good so why not yeah have both. Why yeah. not both? <laughs> Why not both? We see here just in have you start twenty four? Yes, you did. I had I should have said twenty three. Sorry. I'm going to read twenty three real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guard this twenty four. Mm-hmm. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. Twenty three through twenty six kind of shows us that adoption as God's children is not fully realized in the Old Testament. As we see, you know, as we look at how God's redemptive plan unfolds throughout the Bible, mm-hmm. throughout the covenants, things like that. Even even adoption was not fully realized in the Old Testament. Because prior to Christ, like a child heir, um, or prior prior to Christ, the law, you know, we were kind of imprisoned by the law. We were um, the law was our guardian until Christ came. Then we see in, in chapter four, like it's like a child heir. And he's like, e- even a child heir is still subject to guardians and trustees. It's still much like a slave mm-hmm. in that you may be an heir, but you're not going to come into your inheritance until your adulthood. Right. right. Until the time, the until, appointed t- time. Until the time is right. Yeah. Because of that adoption, we see that uh, this was um, 
commentary on Galatians is from John Stott. Uh, He said, because of our adoption, we are neither prisoners awaiting the final execution of our sentence, nor children, minors, under the restraint of a tutor, but children of God and heirs of his glorious uh, glorious kingdom, enjoying the status and privileges of grown-up children, Hmm. which we see in in four um, Mm -hmm. and in the fullness of time, right? That God sent forth his son. So I kind of get another um, thing about being spiritual uh, seed, being spiritual offspring, I guess, um, about being the, the, the seed of um, Abraham. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. And this spiritual seed of Abraham and Christ, the promises to Abraham are fulfilled in Christ. Mm. And we're also in Christ, you know. Right. So uh, we are spiritual seed of Abraham. Right. In, in that sense mm-hmm. of, of inheriting, be, being the heirs of, of those, those promises mm-hmm. as well. The Gentiles are grafted in because uh, of Christ. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's one specific thing that um, I wanted to just kind of talk about. In verse 3, it says, In the same way we were also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world, or it could be elemental spirits, and just kind of what that this is just some different views I looked at on it. Hmm. So what, what is it talking about? Uh, some thought just basic moral principles, m- maybe more of like natural law, like moral principles that kind of God has placed in our heart, um, hmm. in in man's heart. I'm saying, I'm just expounding on what these different, sure. some different views are, uh, like just this inherent f- feeling for people that, you know, it's wrong, it's wrong to murder or it's wrong to... Mm-hmm you know, rape or kidnap or things like that. Right. Um, that people can feel, people can know that those are, know that those are wrong and not be, mm-hmm. not be Christians in order to know mm-hmm. that those are wrong. So kind of that idea of elementary so being, principles. But it's um, just being enslaved to those principles. Yeah. So I think in the same way of being like under guardianship or managers until the date set by his father. So that's one, that was one view. Another one uh, was that, it's talking about the law itself where justification is concerned hmm. because later it says in verse nine, but now that you have come to know, but now that you have come to know God or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? Hmm. And so if it's some people believe, you know, it's, it's the law and well, how can, the law be considered weak and worthless. Like God's mm-hmm. law is still good. Um, right. It, it's, it's a good thing that we have God's law. So this may not be the moral law. So what they, so what I think it was Luther and maybe some other people were saying like that maybe this is referring to the law as elementary principles in view of justification. So what oh. I mean by that is that this is the law itself where justification is concerned. What, what I mean is that, if you're viewing the law in order to obtain justification, mm-hmm. then that is going to be a weak and worthless way for you to be justified because you can't do it. You're yeah. not going to be justified by the law. Yeah. You just can't. Now that we have Christ, but, we don't need that. Yeah. Yeah. Not that you, and not that you would even right. attain it before, exactly. by yeah, the, yeah. but makes- Christ, the salvation through Christ is so much greater. Why are you trying to go back to being justified by the law? It's weak and worthless. You weren't able to do it anyways. That, so that's how they would say 
well, well you know if this is the law why would you why would he say it's weak and worthless mm-hmm. well in in regard to again i'm just kind of expounding um some different views on this another one was that was kind of interesting was the the belief that it this is talking about because it says elemental it could be elementary principles or elemental spirits is that this is speaking towards satan's corruption of the law to where satan is using the law as condemnation where the law does condemn us as sinners but that's passage but because with christ that's passage through the law to know you're condemned as a sinner that you need salvation in christ satan's corruption of it is it stops at condemnation Mm. there is no salvation past that like as a as the great deceiver the great accuser right so anyways those are just some different views if anybody else had some different thoughts love to to hear that too but i just those are kind of three different views on what that meant maybe there's Mm. even more those are just the ones i found yeah so from this passage we see here that uh you know verse four in chapter four god sent forth his son um this is obviously talking about christ and then it says in verse six that he sent the spirit of his son so we see that god sent christ in order to redeem and to adopt those to sonship Hmm. and then also because you are sons god has sent the spirit to testify that we are god's children Hmm. so this is the i just think it's kind of beautiful that God, that the Holy Spirit confirms in our heart, Mm -hmm. confirms in our being, in our innermost, as as he indwells in us. He confirms to us that we are God's children. He he reassures us of that. (laughs) So we have been adopted, and then the Spirit uh, assures us of that. I just wanted to touch on the Abba Father thing. Uh, So the thing I read about the Abba Father, from what I saw of it being of Syriac and Chaldean form of the word Father, so almost like father, father, but you know, it was obviously not written in English. It was written in Greek, uh, but Abba being the Syriac and Chaldean form of that word. I think that is Aramaic. I think Abba is Aramaic. If it's not, then I'll edit this out. <laughs> but anyways, so that may have felt more familiar and held more significance to those reading it. That was one thing I read about that too. But, but, the, but the point was to denote something more intimate i I don't think it's exactly saying daddy but Mm -hmm. just an intimate father word there yeah just like we know the words for for dad or father in other Mm -hmm. languages right and we can say them but it's not it doesn't quite have the same meaning to us that our native tongue does but again i am i think that sheds some good light on it and i'm not just and maybe i'm saying that because i just don't like the daddy thing you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, I totally agree with that. But it does sound legit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I'm I don't know other languages, so I'm right. basing this off other experts. It makes sense. And not really read any commentaries where they're like, means dad. Right. Means daddy. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Um But it it is it is supposed to denote some more intimacy mm-hmm. there. But I also think it's really cool, too, is that we get to use the same term that Jesus uses in his prayer in Mark 14. So Mark, Jesus is praying to the Father in Mark 14, says, Abba, Father. Right. And we get to use that. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Like, unworthy of that. Yeah. Yeah, that is really interesting. It, and it makes and you it, not want to use it in a way that's weird to ruin it. You don't want to ruin <laughs> You know what I mean? Don't, like, ruin that because how special that is. Yeah. And, and 
to to clarify, I'm not saying that our relation, the way Jesus, the, the son of God relates to the father. Now we relate in the exact same way. That is not what I'm saying. Right. Because he is still God. <laughs> like yes. the son is still God. Yeah. And so there's a completely different relate or there's a different degree of relation and a different category of relation. But we can share in, in some of that as yeah. heirs and we can cry out. To heirs God as with Father, Christ. As creatures yeah. who've become children. Right. Well, um, did you have anything you wanted to add here? Well, or you want to like, this really you ever find your verse? I did. It was in Ephesians one, um, which is talking about now I can't even remember what exactly you were saying, but just how like God says like seals us with that promise. I can tell you what I said. Oh yeah, will you tell me what you so said? So I said that God sent Christ in order to redeem and adopt those who yes. believe the sonship yeah and then god sent the spirit to testify that those who are adopted are actually god's children so the spirit right. testify the, the spirit confirms yes. and testifies that we are right. god's children and, and along those same lines also um so starting in in verse 13 it says in him you also when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation believed in him were sealed with the promised holy spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So yeah. also like sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. So yeah. it testifies that yes, we are redeemed and also seals us in that too. And 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 is a guarantee of guarantor. our inheritance. Yeah. And so there's some more like legal language for you there. You know what I mean? It's official. It has been proven and it is sealed and it cannot be undone because of what, you know, the Holy Spirit's part in it, which yeah. is really amazing to see how the Trinity works out in this, on our salvation and like in this adoption, in this divine adoption, like they are all roles. These different persons of the Trinity play these different roles to all do the same thing. And it's all part of our salvation. Yeah. Which is really incredible why we don't talk about divine adoption. (laughs) Cause like, it's like, yes, we are saved. It's like, but then I don't know, like another element to it. Yeah, I, I, and I think that's hopefully um, this has been helpful for people. Uh, and it's we, helpful. For, it's been helpful for me. Yeah, doing it, this study. Oh yeah, it's it's great. I mean, should cause you to you as in believers just cause you to to be in awe and, and worship and mm-hmm. um, just be thankful that we have such a gracious and loving God who adopts us. Yeah. As children. Yeah. Not only just saves us from we so we no longer have to pay the penalty but we also are given gifts on top of that <laughs> it's kind of a crazy thing well we get we get the family name like, yeah like we get to be we're you know like we the people we know who are have adopted children their adopted child is has the family name yeah has all the rights that come with being in that family yeah you know is tax deductible? No, <laughs> no. But um, anyways, like all all of that that comes with having a child, they they have that, and they have mm-hmm. the love of they have the love of those parents as with the fathers. This this there could be where Christians could struggle with that. Like, how could the father really love me because of like my sin and these things right. like that? There is that. Like, how could I be truly loved this much that I made brought into the family of be a child of God. And even good and even good parents, again, like we were talking about earlier with just earthly fathers, earthly parents, mm. good parents 
who've brought their children in, adopted them and love them as though they are one of their their children and do that well and mm-hmm. to the glory of God. God does that even so much better. Yeah. Than even the, even the best parents you could think of right. who see no distinction at all between that they've adopted their children and maybe a child that they had, mm-hmm. you know, biologically or whatever. Right. That that they're all their children. Even the best of them pale in comparison to how good of a father God is. Yeah. Yep. So. Absolutely. Well, uh, we'll wrap up this episode and we will pick back up when we record the next one. We'll try. We'll probably limit the amount of chit chat in the beginning and just kind of jump into the thing. We'll try. We'll try. Uh, No guarantees. But right. As of right now, we still only have an Instagram. Should we start a Facebook? I don't know. Nah. I don't know how many I podcasts know. I follow on Facebook. I know ministries I follow on Facebook that have podcasts, but I don't know how many podcasts. Do you podcasts follow I... podcasts on it? Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, right now it's just Instagram. And, I hey, don't could... want to really delve into Twitter. That's. I know you have more. Uh, you have more of a foot in that than I do, but it's. I uh, mean, I just get on it just to say silly. Tweet things. about worms. Tweet about a worm tweet every yeah. now and then. That's and that's not like a metaphor or anything. No, I really tweet about worms tweet about you worms. found for for a garden. Why yeah, not? I found some really good worms the other day. Yep. So, so I tweeted about it. Yeah. Follow me on Twitter for more. Yeah. For more worm tweets. More worm tweets. Uh, maybe we'll have a worm block here. We can talk about like, some so, good worms you found. I was gonna say. Okay. Pause on the worm talk. If you could rate us, should, can we ask people to rate us on Apple Podcasts? Yes. And do you rate on Spotify? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I'm. And I'm not sure about Amazon. If you want to leave a comment, leave a review, and rate us, that'd be pretty cool. We, we may respond. And we only accept. Ones. We only accept five star ratings. Oh so. yes. If you're gonna leave, if if you're not gonna leave us a five star, please don't do that. Just don't worry about it. And you know what? Don't leave us a review unless you're gonna say something really nice. Yes. Yes. We don't. We, yeah. Just don't do that. Yeah. We want to filter our content to where we only have people saying the nicest things about us. The best of the best. Yeah. We want people to like us. Yeah. So, so if someone says something bad, they're not going to like us. Right, right, right. We so, need to be liked. Yes. We have to be. Uh, anyways, yeah. No, I mean, obviously we're joking about only giving us five stars. I mean, if you gave us five stars, we wouldn't be I mad mean, about that. I mean, that would be fine. Yeah. I'm not going to be mad about that. No. So yeah, it's it's time to be done. So we'll mm-hmm. sign off. The time is now. Yep. To those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Yeah. Goodbye. Dears and darlings and most excellent ones. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> welcome, welcome. <laughs>